as we work our way through Lent, we start to work our way through into the Gospel of John, which I'm sure you remember is my favorite Gospel. (laughs) Michael told me that joke's still working. I can't believe it. Anyway, for the next three Sundays, our Gospel passages are chosen specifically for people who are coming into full communion with the Church at Easter time. These are three fantastic stories from the Gospel of John about people who are coming into deeper, closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Today's reading is The Woman at the Well. I think most of us know this story, but let me just point out three things that are mentioned very quickly in the first couple verses of this story. And please note, for the next four Sundays, our gospel passages are very long. If you have a hard time standing, just sit down. It really is okay. Okay? So, anyway, they're great readings. The first thing is that the woman is a Samaritan. Jesus is a Jew. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. They were sworn enemies. Each considered the other to be apostates to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Second of all, Jesus speaks to an unknown woman. Even today in the Middle East, men do not speak to women they don't know alone. That is considered scandalous, even today. And the third thing is that John says it was about noon. Women didn't get water from the well at noon. They came at dawn because it was cool. And instead of it being so hot to carry this heavy jar of water back, the other thing is this was the time of the day when the women would socialize and catch up on what was happening in town. The fact that this woman is coming to the well in the middle of the day is an indication that she is an outcast. And it's pretty clear that Jesus understands why she is an outcast before he even speaks to her. And yet he decides to speak with her anyway. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to how he speaks with this woman. This is the longest conversation anybody has in the Gospels with Jesus Christ. Jesus befriends this woman at the well. God knows our sins, and yet he invites us to stay in dialogue with him. Let us take a moment to acknowledge our sinfulness. Last month, Dr. Ruth Queen Smith and I led the annual Paulist Associates Retreat over at Immaculate Conception for the Paulist Associates of the city of Knoxville. And before that retreat, I met with some of the leaders and I said, well, what do you want this retreat to be about? I've never led a retreat like this. And Sonia said, well, she said, Lent is coming, and so I think it would be good for us to talk about Lent and also to do some kind of examination of conscience. I sort of thought about, okay, well, how do we combine that with the idea of the Paulist Associates? And so what Ruth and I did is we put together a retreat that focused each of us to look at our weaknesses and strengths regarding each of the three pillars of the Paulist charism. Those pillars are evangelization, reconciliation, and ecumenism, an interreligious dialogue. Now, I was taught... One of the first rules of preaching is you should never use words in a homily that end with T-I-O-N. And I just used several in the last sentence. So let's take a moment to explain those. Evangelization means 
to witness to the gospel to other people in a way that encourages them to become disciples. Reconciliation means to bring peace to those who feel hurt or alienated from the church. Ecumenism means to work towards the unity of all Christians. And interreligious dialogue means to build bonds with people of non-Christian faiths. No other religious community combines these ideas into one charism. A lot of people say, is that even possible? How in the world can you be an evangelizer of the gospel and still be building bonds with people of non-Christian faiths? Well, I think if you ever needed proof that you can do all four of these things at once, all you need to do is look at today's gospel passage. Jesus witnesses to the truth of his Jewish faith to a Samaritan. He acknowledges the beliefs that he and the Samaritans hold in common. He befriends an outcast while not glossing over her sins. In other words, he meets her where she is. On the retreat with the Paulist associates, I had time to reflect myself on how I'm doing with living out the Paulist charism. And I felt the best about the reconciliation part. As I like to say to people, you can be a reconciler at a church just in the way you answer the phone. If somebody calls here and asks about getting married or asking to have their child baptized, we start by saying, congratulations, not are you registered. (laughs) Every month here at Blessed John 23rd since I've been here, every month we have welcomed several people back into the church who have been away on an extended hiatus. Now, we don't always make as big a deal as we have of some people coming back. I promised I won't mention her again. I've mentioned her twice. But there's several people in this room. It's been wonderful to welcome you back over the last two years. There's more that I could do, of course, to be a reconciler. But I feel pretty sure that the spirit of reconciliation permeates my identity pretty deeply. My identity as a Paulist my identity as a priest, my identity as a Catholic, as a Christian, as a fellow human being. But how am I doing on those other two areas of our charism? On the retreat, I didn't feel quite as good about how I'm doing on those. Now, when it comes to evangelization, I could just cop out and say, I'm obviously a pro. I literally preach the gospel several times a week. But that's not all that being an evangelizer is. Dr. Ruth began our retreat by talking about this. She said the best way for any of us to be evangelizers is to tell our personal stories. A lot of us say, oh, I don't know enough about the church. I don't know enough of theology. How can I be an evangelizer? She says, you are the undisputed expert on your story. Nobody is going to tell you, no, that didn't happen to you. Nobody's going to question how you interpret what has happened to you. We are each the experts when it comes to telling our personal stories. But as a preacher, I always face a temptation when I preach to generalize, to use highfalutin words or abstract concepts such as words that end in T-I-O-N. 
instead of telling my story. But you here have repeatedly taught me that you find my homilies to be the most relevant to you when I share the gospel's relevance to me. Whenever I think my homily is too self-centered, those are the weeks that people come out of the woodwork to say, that was great, I really got something out of that. So it's your fault that for this Lent, I resolved for every Sunday I would share part of my story in the homily. I think I've already done that today, so don't worry, we've covered that. But how about ecumenism and interreligious dialogue? That is the hardest part of the charism for me. I care about it very deeply, but in my day-to-day -day life as a parish priest at a Catholic church, that is not what happens as much. A lot of the phone calls aren't about ecumenism and interreligious dialogue. Much of that work forces me to get out of this building and go to people who are not part of the people that I'm charged with taking care of. And so that's tough for me. But the interesting thing, and the sad thing I learned on this retreat was, even some of our Paulist associates, people who have pledged to live the Paulist charism, don't know even some of the most basic rules about how to be an ecumenist or how to be an interreligious dialogue partner. So I also resolved this Lent that I would preach at least one time on how to be an ecumenist and an interreligious dialogue partner. And here it is, right now. It's very easy. How do you be an ecumenist? How do you become a dialogue partner? You simply treat people like Jesus treated the woman at the well. Let me explain that just in a little more detail. One, treat people with respect. Jesus did not condemn the woman at the well. Two, don't tell people what you think they believe. Jesus told the woman what he believed, and he listened to her explain what she believed. We have a tendency when we talk with our evangelical neighbors about belief, we tell them what we think they believe, and they tell us what they think we believe. That's not the way to do it. The way is to listen to them explain what they believe. And we explain what we believe. It can be frustrating because we use a lot of the same words, but we use them differently. Many of the national dialogues between different Christian groups and interreligious groups happen at the Paulus Seminary in Washington, D.C. And so these people come and they live with us for three days, and they're exhausted because it is hard work to listen this way. But that's how we're called to listen. And the third thing. Jesus didn't pressure the woman to change her beliefs or her lifestyle. He simply and gently witnessed to the potential that her life had. In other words, Jesus met the woman where she was. He didn't demand that she change before he would give her his attention. And what did Jesus' attention do for this woman? Surprise, surprise, she becomes the first evangelizer in the Gospel of John. She shares her story with the people in the village. 
And they come to believe first because of her story, but then because of their own stories, about their own experiences of Jesus Christ. So the question today, how has your faith changed your life? And have you told anyone about how it has been changed today?